Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 158. Okay, a couple different threads today that I'm going to try to pull together, (laughs) at least in my own mind. The first is this idea that tools evolve faster than people. They have a shorter generation, they iterate faster, and so they just evolve faster. And that means that we're out of sync with our environment. The, the ancestral environment that we evolved in now bears almost no relation to the world in which we live. And, you know, I think this creates a lot of the modern mental issues like, like depression and anxiety and alienation. And it's because we're surrounded by technology that for all intents and purposes is a black box, right? We have no idea how it works. It's just, it's just magic. And so I think at a real level, we can call this an age of magic. Okay, now the other thread is this idea that we live in a civilization that, <laughs> well, bear with me on this analogy, but I think it's kind of like an M&M, <laughs> where we have this like thin veneer of accumulated or evolved civilization, and that's like the, the coating of the M&M, and then you have sort of our deep instincts, the deep human instincts in the hind brain of of obedience, of tribalism, of of violence, and that's like that's like the soft dark chocolate center <laughs> to the M M&M. and M. So, what's the result of these two ideas? Well, first is we use technology that we don't understand, and we follow rules that we don't understand. But neither of these things is robust because we don't understand them. We're we're alienated from how the tech works. We're alienated from how the rules evolved. We are in this strange situation where we're protected or we're ruled, let's say, by a culture that we don't really see. It's, uh, It's like that David Foster Wallace idea. It's just the water in which we swim. So what's the result of this? Well, we take things for granted. These amazing evolved ideas and principles like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like, like free speech or, or the rule of law or private property or, or the way that the market sets prices. And because we take these things for granted, we sort of assume they're always going to be around or that the cooperation that they enable is robust when it's not. Cooperation is actually a pretty fragile resource. And, you know, you can see this in, in countries or in economies that have lost it. For example, in Eastern Europe, I mean, they went through two to three generations of being used and abused by the Soviet Union, and they lost their societal cooperation. And they're still trying to recover that cooperation but it's really hard to recover once it's lost. And we're starting to see signs of that same loss of trust, that same loss of cooperation in the West as well. And this pivots me to sort of my next idea, which is, well, is it possible that crypto, (laughs) bear with me, is it possible that crypto could serve as an alternate economy? And what's amazing about crypto is that it doesn't replace trust or cooperation with another form of trust or cooperation, but it creates a system that is based in trustlessness, that works 
in the absence of trust. You don't need trust for crypto to work. And let me take it one step further. (laughs) Let me take the crazy up to 11 for a minute. You know, crypto is possibly even starting to emerge as a possible religion. Now, maybe it's a stretch for me to say that crypto is like this emerging religion. But part of me says, well, let's look around for a second, because it's pretty clear to me, and I'm sure you disagree with this, but it's pretty clear to me that the old gods are dead. That, that the established forms of religion are, well, they're losing this war against the new gods. And this is wokeism. This is critical race theory, or, or it's the cult of the singularity, which thinks that, you know, this artificial general intelligence is going to come along and, and sort of become the new god. But all these other potential religions strike me as as, well, well, to use a term of the left, they strike me as deeply problematic. I mean, if you look at the emerging religions of, of critical race theory or wokeism, I mean, these are pretty straight down the center of the fairway satanic religions, okay? They, they're focused on nihilism. They, they try to destroy, they tear down, they, they disrupt, they divide. They're, they're negative, okay? And, and the cult of the singularity, where the fear is this, you know, godlike machine, this godlike artificial intelligence, well, that's a very negative view as well. And a lot of the focus in this, in this cult of the singularity is focused on just figuring out a way to keep this AI god from destroying us immediately. And, you know, by contrast, I think that there's real potential for the crypto religion to be positive. It's, it's focused on building. It's focused on, it's focused on creation. And again, it's, it's not so much competing with existing structures, with the existing economy, but it's creating an alternative. Again, if we look at this through the lens of religion, we can kind of say that the old priesthood was, was the bankers, the finance people. And those groups are already in trouble. You can already see the decline of traditional finance. And at the same time, the new god of the crypto and the new priesthood of of crypto, which is computer science and developers and programmers, well, they're on the ascendant, right? There's more opportunity today in in learning how to program Solidify than in learning how to master Excel. And of course, you know, we're in the early days of this emergence. We're in the early days of crypto. And so you have a lot of competition between different blockchains where you have Bitcoin competing with Ethereum, competing with Cardano, competing with Polkadot, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of competition between cryptos, but this is a good thing from the point of view of crypto as a whole, right? Because, well, it creates this environment of accelerated evolution. It, it, it means that there's more energy and resources and talent exploring this infinite realm of what's possible, sort of like the Cambrian explosion did from a genetic point of view. I think this point is really important, that that failure is not a bad sign. Failure is good. I mean, failure is the rule of nature. The rule of nature is there's a thousand failures, but they're all offset by a single success. I mean, it's spring now. 
go out and look at dandelions and see how many seeds they create versus how many new dandelions are are created or or how many sperm a man produces over the course of his life versus how many children he has the failure rate is astronomical but it doesn't matter right same thing i don't know with the number of eggs that a fish lays versus how many new fish you get the low success rate is built into the design it accelerates the process by which reality finds the answer by which reality can figure out which mutation should survive. So let's take this as red for one second, okay? That that crypto is sort of this emerging religion. And by the way, I think you see the evidence of this all over the place, right? You see this faith in the community of, of the goodness of, of the God that is emerging or that is being created, right? I mean, <laughs> Hodel is becoming the new, what would Jesus do? And you have these organizations now that are called the DAO. I don't think that's a coincidence that they came up with this horrible acronym, Distributed Autonomous Organizations. It's much easier to understand if you just say, the DAO is the way. Now, I think this also helps us understand how different cryptos might succeed or fail. Because if you look at Bitcoin, There's no high priest. There's no pope to evangelize to the masses, right? All they have is a dead god in the figure of Satoshi, although he's ineffable, which I guess helps. But they don't have someone like Vitalik Buterin at Ether. They don't have someone who can be a figure to rally support and to spread spread the gospel, let's say. And Ethereum isn't the only blockchain to have a high priest, a a proselytizer. You have Hayden Adams for Uniswap, and you have Charles Hokinson for Cardano. And I think there's others as well. And these people aren't just developing. They have a public face. They have Twitter accounts. They post videos to YouTube. They go on podcasts. They're trying to create support for these new, well, these new religions. Now, to wrap this up, I want to go full circle for a second, right? Because we started talking about living in an age of magic, where technology is a black box that we really don't understand. And I guess I would just use some very simple examples for this. Can you fix your fridge? (laughs) Do you even know how your refrigerator works? I don't. I can't fix my fridge. I certainly can't fix my smartphone. And I think that's true for most people. We're helpless. We're helpless in an age of magic. We rely increasingly on this new priesthood of people who are engineers and and software developers and and coders. Now, this new priesthood, I kind of like. They're optimistic. They're very community-focused, and and they have an abundance mindset, which is fantastic if you compare it to the zero or negative-sum mindset of, of critical race theory. But... Well, there's still a priesthood, right? Because you have to know how to program to join the priesthood. You have to know how to program if you want to be able to use the magic of modernity, let's say. And that is going to give them this phenomenal edge over the rest of us who don't know how to program. And they're going to be able to use their better knowledge to to achieve status and wealth, right? They're going to be the ones selling us access to the blockchain. They're going to be the ones able to print money in the form of their tokens. 
Okay, if you've made it this far, I actually have a piece of news, which is this Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, a friend and I are going to start a room on Clubhouse. If you're free, please join us. 